you'll turn with me to the book of Second John. Second John. It's right past First John, by the way, right before you get to Revelation. It's relatively short, which is good because I only got like five minutes to finish the message. So y'all listen fast. The elder. Now, wait a minute. John was the youngest of all the disciples. Seriously. And now when he writes this letter, he's the only one left. The only one of the apostles left alive. And he is now the elder. The elder unto the elect lady and her children, whom I love in the truth. And not I only, but also all they that have known the truth. Now, who is this elect lady? I don't have any idea. It could very well have been Mary, the mother of Jesus. That's an interesting thought. She was living in Ephesus. And uh, you say, wait a minute, her children? Yeah, she had four boys and two girls after Jesus was born. At least two girls. The elder unto the elect lady and her children, whom I love in the truth, and not I only, but also all they that have known the truth. Now, help in understanding of this passage, who's the truth? Yeah. We would, we would have asked the question in our flesh. In fact, it's the way I first thought of it. What's the truth? But it's not a what. It's a who. Who is the truth? Jesus is the truth. He's the way, the truth, the life. And so if you want to know the truth, you've got to know Jesus. If you want to know the truth about science, you've got to see what Jesus says about science. If you want to know the truth about religion, see what Jesus says about religion. If you want to know the truth about politics, see what Jesus says about politics. He says that there are people given an authority over us whose responsibility is to protect us. They are ministers to us for good. So does that mean all politicians do good? No. It means sometimes politicians are allowed to do bad in order to drive us to the good. I mean, as long as everything's going fine, the economy's doing well, and the president's not doing anything freaky, we don't bother to pray for him. We don't get upset about the direction of the country. No. But when God allows things to go the way I think they have been going, it drives me to my knees. I begin to pray for the president. I've probably prayed for this president more than I've prayed for any president in my whole life. First one I remember is Dwight D. Eisenhower. That's how old I am. Okay? We did not graduate from school together. Okay? But when I was a little kid, he was president. And then there's somebody president after him, and then somebody after him, and somebody after him. I can name them all. But don't ask me to do it tonight. No, wait, wait. Eisenhower, Kennedy, Johnson, Nixon. Ford. Yeah, I always forget Ford because he didn't serve but a year and a half. And then after that was... uh, 
Carter. Yeah, that's the one I can't forget. Uh, and then uh, after Carter was Reagan and then Bush and and then Clinton and then Bush and then Obama. Okay. All of them ministers to us for good. And some of them absolutely ungodly in their con in their conduct, in their policies. And why did God allow that? Well, because his children get real careless when everything goes good. Don't we? Okay, you don't have to say amen, but you've got to nod every once in a while, so I'll know you. <clears throat> We're on the same track together. Okay? For the truth's sake, now, he's writing to her that he loves in the truth, and not, not only him, but all those that have known the truth, for the truth's sake, which dwelleth in us and shall be with us forever. Grace be with you. Mercy and peace from God the Father, from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. Now I'm going to quit there. I'm not going to try to preach the whole book. Not even the whole first chapter, which is the only chapter. But I want you to know that uh, John's desire for people who love the truth and who have the truth dwelling in them. His desire for us is that we know grace. What does grace tell me? Grace tells me that God loves me as much as He loves anybody else in the world. It's not what I do. It's who I am. God loves you as much as He loves anybody else in the world. And I know there are people who are a lot better Christians than I am. In fact, I'm acquainted with some of them, and it embarrasses me that they seem to have such a, so much of a closer walk with God than I do. And they're constantly rejoicing and, and constantly uh, just allowing the love of God to flow through them to others. But you know what? That's an encouragement to me. If they can do it, I can do it. Grace. And mercy. Oh, I love mercy. I have loved mercy from a very small childhood. Okay, Ron would get me in trouble. And oftentimes, okay, Ron and I would get in trouble. Oftentimes it was a, uh, not a capital offense, but, you know, way up there. We could have really been punished severely, and we'd get mercy instead. Oh, we'd still get punished, but it was not what we deserved. And to this day, when people ask me how I'm doing, I can tell them much better than I deserve because of mercy. God has been merciful to me all through the years. I'll never forget that night driving home from St. Louis, figuring out which bridge I was going to hit, which bridge column. I was taking myself out. 
Life wasn't worth living anymore. And God in His mercy stopped me. Mercy. And then peace. Peace. John says, for those of you who love the truth and have the truth dwelling in you, I want you to have peace. Man, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? Why can I not have peace? Well, for one thing, my priorities are wrong. You say, what do you mean? I mean, I'm concerned about the things of this life instead of concerned about the things in the future. I'm concerned about how I'm going to take care of me and mine instead of being concerned about people who are going to die and go to hell. People that come across my path every day. It's not the same person every day, but, but I see some of them several times a week. Okay? Anybody who goes to Walmart very often sees a lot of the same people there every week. You know? And they're going to die and go to hell if somebody didn't tell them about Jesus. It is not my responsibility to win them to Christ. Okay? He that wins souls is wise. But who wins souls? The Holy Spirit. I'm the witness. We're all supposed to be the witness. We're all supposed to be the ones that, that tell them, that share the message, that offer them the, the gospel and the truth of the gospel. And then the Holy Spirit wins them to Christ. All my life I heard it preach, if you want to be wise, win souls. And i got to tell you, that really helps. But the Holy Spirit is the one who is truly wise. Because he knows what's going on in their life. And he knows how to arrange circumstances to bring us to the point where we need Jesus. And we just need to hear about it. And there are people out there that the Holy Spirit's been working on. And all that, I mean, they, they know the problem. They see the problem. They have experienced the problem. They just need the answer. They just need the last piece of the puzzle. And the last piece of the puzzle for them may be the gospel. Christ died for our sins, according to Scripture. Was buried, rose again the third day, according to Scripture. That is relatively simple. So why do we have so much difficulty sharing that with people? Because of the opposition. Not people are opposed to us. Man, the demons are opposed to us. And the demon of fear, he comes down and wants to whoop up on somebody. Usually it's us. Because we're not strong enough or smart enough to recognize that in Jesus we don't have to be afraid of anybody. Perfect love. The kind of love that God has for us. Perfect love casteth out Fear. We don't have to be afraid of the devil. We don't have to be afraid of his demons. But we're not even aware of them. That's crazy. They're everywhere. In fact, sometimes they're in our home. That's bad. If we were aware of them, or if we just had enough sense... To recognize that they're working. We could resist them in Jesus' name and they'd have to flee from us. The truth said that. You believe the truth, don't you? Why don't we do it?
You know. I wish y'all could know Otto Coney. What a nut. Missionary. Very successful missionary. Took him eight years just to learn the language. Took him almost ten years to quit screaming at the natives for stealing from him. Took him ten years before he had his first convert. And then, in a matter of a few days, half the village got saved. Why? Because what the truth did in his heart. And he learned to resist Satan. I'll tell you a story sometime when we've got a lot of time. We don't have much time tonight. This is a cool story. He sat in our living room, in our family room, showing slides on the wall. Embarrassed my mother to death. It was hilarious. <laughs> and <coughs> when he flashed his slide up, uh, we started asking questions. And so he just left it up there. <laughs> she kept getting more and more red. And finally she bowed her head. <laughs> Don't ask me what the slide was about. But it was a cultural thing. Okay, I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, New Guinea. And <laughs> let's pray together. Yes. Amen. Brother Waymeyer is 70-something years old. 75 years old. And uh, and Second Baptist Church is fixing to ask him to be their senior pastor. So if he lives to be 150, they get 75 more years. If he lives to be 76, they get one year. But uh, that's right. But God has is working in the church and uh, using Brother Waymire, and uh, they're supposed to vote next Sunday. Uh, the reason I know that is because I called him uh, this past week, and I said, uh, Brother Waymire, I'm getting ready to start a rumor, and uh, I need some facts to back it up. And he said, you know, I mean, every good rumor's got a few facts. And he said, okay, what's what's a rumor? I mean, he said, no, but, no, he said, okay, what can I do for you? And I said, I, I heard that Second Baptist is going to vote to call you to be their pastor, full-time pastor. And he said, well, um, that's true, and you, need, you and I need to get together and talk about it. And <laughs> you don't need to talk to me about it. But, but anyhow, he said, I need to explain to you what's going on. Because he and I have been praying about it since Brother Satterfield left, quite honestly. He and I have prayed together for Second Baptist Church. And... Uh, I said, okay, that's all I need to know. Uh, He said, so what's the rumor? And I said, well, the rumor is that as soon as you found out they were going to call you to be their pastor, you started canceling services so they couldn't vote. (laughs) He said, said, well, that's good. (laughs) So let's do pray for Second Baptist Church that God's will will be done there. Father, we love you and we thank you. You're so gracious and so good. And we thank you for the truth. May he dwell richly in our hearts and in our minds. We pray for mercy. 
And your word tells us that your mercy endures to all generations. And we ask for peace from the Prince of Peace. Father, we do pray for Second Baptist Church and the ministry there. You've used it incredibly in thousands of lives over the past 60 years. Dear Lord, don't let Satan tear it out. Don't let him blow it out, the light that's there. And use Brother Waymire according to your will. We'll praise you and thank you for it. In the meantime, we praise you and thank you for what you're doing at Keep the Heights Baptist Church and ask you to continue to bless. Show yourself strong that we might bring glory and honor to you and folks might know there's a God in Festus, Missouri who's at work in the hearts and lives of his people. Dismiss us with your love. Bring us back safely on Sunday. And we'll give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.